Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. This morning we are going to take a look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103, and we'll read verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Somebody ought to write a song. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all of your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life. From the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness. What's our word? Chesed. Chesed. Loving kindness and compassion. Who satisfies your years with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. David is having a conversation with himself. I think introspective conversation is a very valuable thing. It can get you in trouble talking to yourself. Sometimes when someone walks up, and catches you, you just have to pretend you're singing or something. Or if they see you at a red light, you can put your hand right here. I've done it. Act like you're on a Bluetooth, even though you don't even own one. We might feel foolish, but I think introspective conversations with ourselves, where we look at ourselves and we talk as David is speaking here very honestly, Lord, There are some things that you have done for me that no one could do for me but you. So I come to you right now, God, in these five verses, and I am bringing a word to you, Lord, that's not asking for anything. I'm not asking for a bigger blessing, bigger house, nicer car. I'm not asking for anything, God. I am coming to you knowing that from the bottom of my heart and all that is within me, I need to give thanks and praise to your holy name. And this is a good week to do that. I know we have Thanksgiving. I, I, personally, for me, it's, it's one of my favorite. It's, it's really probably my favorite time of the year. I love Christmas and all of that. And Easter, yes. But as Christians, we kind of celebrate those all the time. But man, I'm telling you, Thanksgiving is a special Time And one of the things that makes it special for us as Christians is we know that ingratitude is one of the most depraved sins in all of the Word of God. He's done so many wonderful things for us, and, and, and yet, oh, we just miss it. And I, I don't, I, I, I'm not uh, 
I'm not here to be critical of you today. I'm critical of all of us because I I just think about how many times God has blessed me that I don't even realize. I I never even notice. Uh, When you look at your old car and you go, well, the old gal's got uh, 300,000 miles on it or whatever it is. I think my truck has about 255,000 miles. But the miles I put on there so far have been accident-free. I'm alive, and, and it's still running, and I'm still breathing. And if you ask my wife about my driving, she would tell you, yes, that is a work of God. But think about that. The next time you complain about maybe how old something is, like your old car, say, well, God, you've kept me alive in it all these uh, quarter million miles. You're taking care of me. You've let me live long enough to see the roof on my house leak. And, and, and you've allowed us to have food so there's a sink full of dirty dishes. And, and, and I, I know it's, it's cliche, but I just don't think we spend enough time expressing our gratitude to God. And he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Think about that for a second before we look at the text. My soul, that's the part of me that will live forever. That's the innermost part of me. Uh, When God made man, it says in Genesis 2 that he breathed into his nostrils and he became a living being. The word nephesh there means a living being or a living soul. That means there's something inside of me. And it won't be this old body, but something, some part of me is going to be uh, eternal. It's going to live forever somewhere because it was breathed into me by God Himself. He doesn't breathe air, He breathes life. So He breathed His ruhak, His Spirit into me, and I became a living soul, a living nephesh, and and, and so that's the part of me that refuses to be manipulated. I, I can sing songs I don't mean, and, and I can do things with my hands and pretend it's for others, and it might have selfish motives. Uh, the, the heart is, uh, can be desperately wicked, Jeremiah says, and, and, and who can know it? But the soul is the part of me that I can't manipulate. When I really praise God from in here, that's who I really am. Matter of fact, there's another man who had a conversation with his soul, and he found it to be quite stubborn. As a matter of fact, if you look in the Gospel of Luke, I believe it's chapter 12, I don't remember. But there was a farmer who had torn his barns down and had to build bigger barns. You remember he was very successful. Men would walk by, I'm sure, and say, boys, that guy there's got it together. He really knows how to farm. What a farmer he is. And when Jesus walked by, though, we all know the story. He didn't say, what a farmer. He said, what a fool. Because the Scripture says the man was talking to his soul, too. And he was saying, eat, drink, be merry, relax, it said. Take thine ease. That means relax, said He's, he's talking to his soul. If it's, it's lying on a sick bed, I, I, I'm really wanting you to have some peace. I, I, I got lots of money. I have bigger barns this year. My crops are coming in. I'd really like to get a good night's rest, soul. But 
his soul refused all of that, it seemed, and Jesus told him, or told his disciples, he said, that man's a fool. He's taking care of all of life, everything in life that mattered to him. But the one thing that he has neglected is his soul, the one part of him that will live eternally somewhere. And he says, this night, God is requiring your soul from you. Well, the soul can be (laughs) pretty resistant to manipulation. But when our inner being, from deep down in here, and you know when it's there. You you know when it's not just, uh, boy, uh, worked up, fabricated. I, I don't... I love it when we praise God. I love it when we get excited. Mike Deese loves it when I walk up to him and start in on a song. uh, And he just looks at me like, where in the world are we going? I love it when we do that. But I've been to a lot of places where it's fabricated. Oh, come on now, let's get excited. If if you got to say that. I, I, I hate it when they ask for amen. Somebody say amen. You know, the, I will keep preaching. When I hear it, I, I, let, her, I let her rip, like tater chip. Uh, you just keep preaching the word. I, I, I don't like it fabricated like that. It's almost like, well, it, was, it felt so good last week to be emotional. We got to get it going today. Got to get it revved up. So, so let's, let's break out the streamers and the dancers and the whatevers and let's get this service rocking. And if we never preach another word from this pulpit, we can all go home and say, man, we had some excitement. But when it comes from here, You know, most of the time, I've gotten louder as I've gotten older. I'm more vocal. But I can tell you, when it's really deep in here, I get quiet. And God's grace begins to roll down the front of my cheeks. I get to where I don't know what to say. Because I get to thinking about how good that God has been to me. I was going to wait till later to tell this story in case I die before I get to that part of the sermon. I won't tell you now. My son killed a deer last night. My nephew Aaron's here this morning. He comes up every year Thanksgiving and we hunt all week. Of course, he was here last year. Last night, my son killed a deer, and and, uh, we all started down in the woods to drag it out. Uh, I started, then I just stayed in the road and let them drag it out. But I was giving them moral support. My nephew got in the truck with me, and it just happened to be in the spot on the road that as soon as we pulled away, I said, deer stand there. I haven't been in it this year. I looked at my nephew, who was there that day, a year ago Wednesday. I said, a lot happened right there. He said, yeah. Yeah, it did. Then he said something to the effect of a lot more could have happened, but it didn't. Yeah, praise God. 
We had another one with us last night. I thought about it. We got that little white-headed grandson of mine. See, I, I, God spared my life. Matter of fact, he hunted with Papa last night. Helped Papa get all his stuff in the stand, all that stuff. I like having him with me. I'm just telling you, God's good. Yes, he is. Well, David is going to list for us seven things that you can only get from God. In these five verses, seven things that you can only get from God. Number one, forgiveness. Verse three, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He repeats himself, and then in verse three, he says, who pardons all your iniquities. Two things about his pardon he will point out to us here is, one, it's plentiful. He pardons all of your iniquities. Just the word iniquity is a powerful word because it, it means not just a slip up, not just a, oh, I was weak in that moment. It's more of an intentional thing. We get our word inequity from it. Equity is a big word now days in social circles where everything is fair or whatever. It's used in so many ways we hardly know what the word even means. Iniquity means there's no equity. It means you weren't grateful. You weren't, you, you, you were forgiven, but you weren't willing to forgive. God treated you with grace, but you treated others maybe with judgment. God was good to you, but to others, you held their feet to the fire. It's that kind of thing. It's just totally unfair. It is absolute blunder. It is a prideful way of sinning against God. But he says he forgives that. That incredible level of selfishness, God forgives it. He also forgives his forgiveness is personal. All your iniquity. Not just my neighbors, you know, how bad their sins are. It's easy to see it in everybody else. But no, he forgives our iniquities. David is very conscious of his failures before God. That is something that we have really lost in our culture. We have very little sense of any responsibility to God. You hardly ever hear of anybody talk about sin or somebody uh, doing something that would defame the name of God. I know we may hear about it in pulpits, but if you're out in the world, and I would say in probably most churches, you're going to hear very little about our depraved nature and how we have sinned against God Almighty. We'll blame it on everything in the world but ourselves. I shared with the men last Wednesday night, uh, Phil, Philip Gully is a Quaker minister. He is part of the more liberal, progressive church movement. And one of the things he says in one of his books, says churches that teach about sinfulness are guilty of spiritual abuse. When did teaching about sinfulness become spiritual abuse? We have a responsibility before God. God Almighty has been defamed. We have, uh, we have sinned against Him. David said in Psalm 51, he said, I finally realized that God, I've sinned against you. 
I was worrying about how Bathsheba might feel. I was thinking about Uriah and, and, and how I did him wrong. But God, I finally realized that I have sinned against you and against you only have I sinned, God. I've got a responsibility, Lord, to you like I have to no other. He gives forgiveness. Number two, something else we can only get from God is healing. It says He heals all your diseases. I have been asked before several times, do I believe in divine healing? I don't mean to sound like a smart aleck. I guess it comes natural. But I, my response is generally, there is no other kind. It's the only kind of healing there is. There's the healing that God does, and there's not any other kind. Doctors can do things. They can prescribe things. They can help us along the way. We can change our diets. We can do all kinds of things. But I can tell you, if you heal, it is because of God. It is a miracle from God, whether it is heart surgery like uh, 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 Miss Jones is going to have or whether it's this little cut I got on my finger uh, last week. Whatever it is, and it, I can just tell you, if it heals, it's something that God did. And, and look at the word disease. I'm, I'm such a terrible speller in English. And I don't know why, because that's, of course, my native language. I, I can spell much better in French. I can spell much better in Greek. I can spell a little in Hebrew. But I, I would tell you, I don't spell well. So I figure out these little tricks to remember how to spell words so I don't look really as dumb as I am. And look at the word disease. Dis. Ease, and I know you're going, oh, ooh, glad I came today, shocked. But dis-ease, it, there's a lack of ease. You're like the, the, we get like the man who said to his soul, eat, drink, be merry, and take thine ease. It might not be a disease like cancer. It might not be a disease uh, that, that could, uh, uh, God would use a hospital or something to fix. There, there can be disease though, in your life. There can be emptiness in your life. There can be hatred in your heart. There can be a lack of peace in your life. You can be stirred all the time. And you can be just uh, have that trigger temper ready to go off all the time. You live in a constant state of dis-ease. God can heal that too, by the way. But He heals our diseases. Now, some people may say, well... There's an awful lot of folks in the cemetery for that to be true. I want to read a passage from 1 Thessalonians 4. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, just listen, verse 13. Paul says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. That means who have passed on. So that you will not grieve as the rest who have no hope. We grieve. He didn't say we wouldn't grieve, but we don't grieve like those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. We don't have time to, to, to peel this one completely, but 
I think uh, according to Scripture that what we see is that uh, those who are with the Lord right now uh, don't have the body that they will have one day when these old bodies are resurrected and all of that, and God gives us all new bodies, but we know they are with the Lord, and when He comes, He says, I'm bringing them with me. Verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That's what we need to do. Comfort one another with these words. That yes, in this life there's sickness and in this life there's death. But if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, one of these days we are going to live without disease. We're going to live without pain. We're going to live with Him. And he points out the main thing. He says we are going to be with God forever. Hallelujah. He heals all diseases eventually. Forgiveness, healing. A third thing we can get nowhere but from God is redemption. Verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit. The word pit was one of the Hebrew words, uh, comes from a Hebrew word that meant grave. That's, that was one of the uh, words that they would talk about as a grave. When we think about being down in the pits, we kind of think of it differently. We think about being depressed or or, or being disheartened or discouraged or whatever. And, and that would apply rather well uh, also because sometimes uh, you, you got to remember if, if when they took a person that just could go on no longer, they had expired, they would put them in a pit. And sometimes we get in pits because we just can't go on any longer. Physically, we may still have our heart beating. And we may still be thinking, but we're so tired, we are so discouraged, we've had so much, the plate got so heavy, it finally got the best of us. We tried, and, and we put on a, 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 a bright face and a smile, and, and we tried to ignore it, and we fought it. We were ashamed that it broke us down like it did, but it finally got the best of us, and boy, it took us to the pit. He says, He will redeem us from the pit. I, I like that word redeem. It's a, a word that means to pay a price. It cost Him something to do that for us. We need to remember that. It cost Him something to do that for us. It wasn't easy. It wasn't just God waving His hand. He came and died. He came and gave his life. It cost him something. Redemption means to pay a price to set someone or something free. Redemption. Number four, mercy. Real, true mercy. You can only get from God. Verse four, who crowns you with loving kindness. That's our word, hesed. 
We told you before, it's really untranslatable from the Hebrew to English or any other language. It's the hard H called the hate, the chesed. You have to kind of clear your throat with it. But it is a powerful word that, that means undeserved mercy. I mean, it was like you were shaking your fist in the face of God and He was still trying to get His arms around you to hold you and love you and hug you and, and lift you up. It, it wasn't like you were finally broken before the Lord. It was that day when you just absolutely deserved nothing from God. And God loved us anyway. You know, in our world today, I hear a lot about justice. We want justice and and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting justice. But boy, there's one area of our lives where we never, ever want justice. And that's when we stand before God. Because if God gives us only justice, we talk about His tender mercies, but we never talk about His tender justice because there's nothing tender about justice. If He gave us that, I can tell you, we'd all be damned to hell. We would have absolutely no hope. Forgiveness, healing, redemption, mercy. David says another thing I had to tell myself. I can only get this from you, God, is compassion. True compassion, God, can only come from you, verse 4. Loving kindness and compassion. Our English word, compassion, comes from two Latin words. Com means uh, with, and passio is a word uh, that means to suffer, to suffer with. I think this is even more interesting. Stay with me now. That's the Latin word. We get our English word compassion from it. What about the Hebrew word? The Hebrew word is rakhima. Rakhima comes from rakim. Rakim is the word for a mother's womb. Remember I told you years ago, and I've probably repeated it a thousand times since, but Hebrew people don't speak in abstract very much. They speak in real terms. They don't say God is stable. No, they say He is my what? He is my rock. You'll see that all through the Old Testament. They don't speak much in terms. Uh, when they want to talk about top, the top of something, they have a word called har, and it's the word for mountain. So they speak in real terms, and they talk about real things. So one of the words that they use for love and compassion is the word rechim. It's the womb of the mother. And boy, it's so picturesque. Because when the babe in the womb is not well, the mother's not well. They live and suffer together. That's why she watches what she eats. That's why certain things she might have done before she was pregnant, she doesn't do now, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I've never been pregnant. But they suffer together. She knows that what I do has a direct effect on this human being that lives inside of me. God said, that's how my relationship is with you. He says, I treat you like a child in my womb. 
When you're happy, I'm happy. When you're sad, I'm sad. When we cry out to God, God, He should care less, but He does. He cares for us. He cares for us. Come unto me, Jesus says, all you who are weak and heavy laden. He says, I'm begging you, come to me. In the Revelation, He said, let him who thirsts, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Let him come. I am inviting you. And when you get here, I'm going to wipe away all your tears. I'm telling you, it should blow our minds that God cares about us like that. I guess the closest thing we can possibly have to it is our love for our children. Man, life. When you get children, you know. I'm so glad when my kids finally got kids. Because I can look at them now, and I have, and say, now you know, don't you? You know how to love something so much that even though they're lying there asleep and there's not a thing in the world wrong with them that you know of, you sit there at the door. Look at it. That seems silly if you don't have children. Wait till you have one. I know some people are insane and so depraved and sinful that they don't know how to love their children. I was given away when I was four years old. It's incredible. Hard to wrap your mind around that, is it not? I, I, I could say so much more. I won't. But I, I'm just telling you, that's blown my mind. I understood that way better before my first child was born. And after Chase Snellgrove was born, from that day on, I have been like, how in the world could you take a child and give that child away? Man, you parents know, right? And if you're married and you had not had children yet, you're going to find out. It'll take an old big rough daddy. It'll make a slobbering, snotting, crying, whining thing out of you, buddy. You just, oh my goodness, when that child hurts, you hurt. You would take that pain in a heartbeat. I went one time with Loretta. I just thought of this. I went one time with her for our kids to get shots. I said, I'll never go back. Baby had done quit crying a long time ago. Okay. Kid got a lollipop or something for behaving. I didn't, I didn't get one. Man, they pulled that little thigh around there and went, I like to hit that woman. I remember one time Nikki had a seizure. It was an odd thing. Temperature shot up, had a febrile seizure or whatever it's called. I don't know the name for it. but Oh, man, I set a land speed record getting her to the ER, got her to the ER, and I'll never forget the doctor looked at me and said, "Ah, she'll be fine. said, I see this every day. Boy, I said, well, you don't see her with it every day. different that's how God loves you just more hard to imagine forgiveness healing redemption mercy compassion number six we sang about what's up with our praise team they sing about the same things we preach about and we don't meet and talk about that but number six is goodness 
Real goodness only comes from God. Verse 5, who satisfies your years with good things. God has been leading me personally in green pastures for a long, long time. He leads us toward good things. I was reading a passage the other day, I believe it's in Acts 17, where it talks about how God has, has set the boundaries for our life and marked out where we are going uh, to live and to be. And I thought about you when I read the passage, and I thought about so many of you that I know because of Jesus. I would have never met you. I would have never met you. I, 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 it's amazing. God put us together. Uh, actually, I was reading a book about heaven and how in heaven we, we are going to know each other. When Elijah and Moses came down on the Mount of Transfiguration, and I'm not going to try to proof text it too much, but God didn't go, Jesus didn't go, now this blob of fog over here, that's Moses, and this one over here is Elijah. There were no introductions on the mountain. Everybody knew who each other was. It's totally amazing. Blows my mind. We're going to know each other. You and I are going to meet in heaven, and we're going to talk. We might get there at different times, but I can tell you, we're going to meet, and we're going to talk, and we're, I, I think we're going to have memories of this life. I, I, I don't know how all of that's going to work exactly, but I can just tell you, God put people in my life that I believe will be in my life for all eternity. I'm so thankful for that. Forgiveness, healing, redemption, mercy, compassion, goodness. Number seven, restoration. So that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Boy, when eagles get older, they just still can soar. They don't have a lot of predators because things can't reach them. They fly too high above it. I used to have a really cool illustration that I used about how when an eagle gets older, his claws get longer, and he has to scratch them off, his beak gets too long to eat, and he has to claw that off and all. It's a great story. And I used it for years until I found that wasn't true. <laughs> That's a legend. I, I've lost a lot of good illustrations over the years. At Blooming Internet came out. Google's killed about half my sermons. It's not true. But the strength of an eagle is seen when he does get old. He can still soar. Most things that would bother him, he flies above them. Flies above them. He just soars through the air. God says, I will renew your strength like the strength of an eagle. Sometimes we have to be restored. David said in Psalm 23, he restores what? My soul. The part of me that I can't lie to part of me that when it hurts, it just hurts. The part of me that when it's afraid, it's just afraid. I can tell myself anything I want to tell me, but I can put on a good face for those around me. 
boy, when you hit hard in your soul, only God can restore it. But He can. Now, I would say this. We have a lot of things to be thankful for. But why don't we, especially this week, church, spend some time thanking God for at least seven things that we'll never get from anyone else but Him. He's the only one that can bring it to us in this measure and this completely. I don't care who it is, you can finally make people quit loving you. You won't ever make God quit loving you. He never will. He loves you. And He cares about you. I, I think some introspective conversations would be good. Maybe you need to have some. Some that if you heard the words from others, and perhaps you have before, then it just angered you. Maybe you need to look at yourself and say, you know what, I need to start keeping my mouth shut. You ever told yourself that? You ever looked at yourself and said, you know what, I need to mind my own business. That's one of the things that, man, I, I learned so many years ago how to do, and, and I'm not good at a lot of things. But even with one hand, I can mind my own business. When I'm joking around with friends and they ask me that question, we hear so often, why are you doing it like that? I tell them it helps me. Helps you what? I say it helps me mind my own business. They go, oh yeah, you've told me that before. I love minding my business. Maybe you need to have that conversation with yourself and say, you know what, that's not my concern. I need to stay out of it. Maybe you need to look at yourself and go, you know what? This seventh marriage, if it doesn't work, I'm going to go looking for a common denominator. Be a great conversation to have with yourself. Sometimes we need to look at ourselves. Maybe you need to look at yourself today and say, you know what? I don't really believe Jesus loves me unconditionally. I make deals all the time. Sometimes I avoid sin because I'm scared God won't love me. I need a blessing so badly or I need a healing so badly. You behave, do you behave better till you hear back from the doctor? I think the doctors get together and I'm thankful that most of mine come here, so I, I get to worry them to death <laughs> right off the bat. But I think they get together and go, let's make them wait till Tuesday. They'll, they'll live better. He'll love, he'll love his wife better this weekend if we don't tell him he's okay. You see, that's, I've, I've done it too. Because you think that's why God loves you, because you've been behaving, you've been a good boy. He loves you unconditionally. And it's never going to change. Can't make him love you more. Maybe you need to have a conversation with yourself. Maybe you need to tell yourself, I need to quit trying to find my self-worth 
and my abilities. It'll make me less jealous of others who may be better at it than I am. It'll make me have uh, uh, less animosity toward those who are successful. It will make me rejoice from, from other people when they do well and, and, and maybe I don't. I can, I can quit hating my friend who lost 40 pounds and I gained 12 on the same diet. Maybe, I'm just saying that. But I'm telling you, maybe you need to have an introspective conversation. Talk to yourself and let God speak to your heart and to your soul. Let's pray. Lord, we bless your name today. With all that is within us, we bless your name. We praise you and we thank you, God. For loving us like you do. For all your blessings, God. Lord, how is it possible that we could even need one day a year to remind us to be thankful, God? But Lord, you know how we are. Lord, we drift away. We get so caught up in life. Lord, I pray that you'll help us, God, to be more grateful for the wonderful things that you do for us. Thank you for forgiveness, God. For loving us like you do. Thank you, Lord, for that. For pardoning our iniquities. For your compassion, God. For you to love us like a, a child in your womb. God, for you to be that intimate with us. And yet, the creator of the universe. It blows our minds. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for being good, so good to us, leading us into green pastures and paths of righteousness for your name's sake. God, you do good things for us. Thank you for your healing, Lord. God, you healed us of so many things that I doubt we even knew about. You take care of us, Lord. And even when we walk one day through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, you'll be with us. We thank you for that. God, we just ask you now, make this a different kind of thanksgiving. Help us, Lord, to be grateful for some things, God, that we can only get from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.